turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now, here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. God has a lot to say about what you have to testify about. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We've been in a series called Spirit-Filled. And I know you've heard that term so many times. Uh, but it, it, it bears reminding ourselves and saying to ourselves, everything that I do as a follower of Jesus, everything that I do as a Christian must be driven by the Spirit's presence in my life. And Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to do just that. Last Sunday, we talked about Spirit-filled praying. What does that mean? If you missed that, you know, I think I left my outline here. You could have read the entire sermon for yourself. We talked about proclaiming the gospel in our own capacities. Now, we're not all called to be preachers and evangelists, but... We have the obligation to proclaim this gospel. So today we're going to talk about what it means to give our testimony under the power of God's Spirit. Spirit-filled testimony. The title of the message this morning is Spiritual Interrogation. Spiritual Interrogation. Okay? The moment you step into this place, there's an interrogation that's going on. Okay, whether you like it or not, that this is what a worship service is all about. Not all about tradition or rituals. We sang the songs that we sang because the Spirit of God is interrogating us about the validity of our testimony. Have you ever watched that show? It's my favorite show. It's called Law and Order. It's one of, the, one of the most famous and enduring shows on television. Yes, I watch TV, but I watch the good shows. Unlike some of you, but like, and it's, about, it's a one-hour show, and um, the first half hour deals with how the police investigate crimes, and the second half is how the, the, the prosecutors try uh, it, the offenders. That's basically the essence of the show. And one particular thing about that show that I like was there's always this interrogation moment when they catch the suspect. They go to this routine called a good cop, bad cop. One cop was brutal. He threatens the suspect, harasses him or her. That's all the things to make this person uncomfortable. He's the bad cop. And then comes another cop that offers the suspect some coffee. 
Do you need to go to the bathroom? Do you, do you need anything? Are you hungry? Can I call somebody for you? Can I give you a neck massage? And things like that. The good cop. All right? Now, these two things are going nearly simultaneously, and it has one purpose, to make sure that the person confesses to the crime. That interrogation process takes place so that the person will own up and admit that he or she is guilty. That's all done to get a confession. That's exactly what this worship service is designed to do. And please, again, forgive the analogy. But this morning is all about spiritual interrogation. It, it was Josh McDowell who wrote the classic book, um, Evidence that, that, that Demands Verdicts. He's the one that coined the question, if someone accuses you of being a Christian, will you be found guilty? I think about that for a minute. That's a profound question. If somebody tells you, you're a Christian, are you guilty as charged? Or do you say, I need a good cop first? The soul gets interrogated by the words of the songs that we sang. The soul is going to get interrogated by the word of God this morning. That's what preaching is designed to do. That's what it's supposed to accomplish. Everything that we do here is supposed to interrogate the song. I mean, the, the, the soul. Now, in preaching, there has to be a good cop, bad cop. Not every preaching should tickle your fancy. Not everything in scriptures is designed to make us feel good. All right? There's a lot of things in scriptures that are supposed to convict us. So those two things are happening right here, right now. And we are people of faith. Church is for God's people. You're not here this morning by accident. I just said that. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you are our guest. Be our guest. Be our guest. We're going to put you through the test. I'm, 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 I'm trying to tell you, not everything in the Word of God is designed to comfort us. Much of the Word of God is designed to convict us. But none in the Word of God is designed to condemn us. All right? It comforts, it convicts, but it never condemns because we are God's children already. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're going to hate what I'm about to say. You're not going to like the song. You're not going to like anything. Because condemnation belongs to those who rejected God's offer of salvation. So I want to make that clear. And I know I can go on and on and on. It's the beginning of football season. Many of you already are watching. Look at these empty pews. But you're not lucky because that never bothers me. You know that I preach here with only two people, Eric and Lisa. And the guy who led the worship left after the service, scared of COVID. It doesn't matter. 
because we're here to be interrogated spiritually. So listen up. Okay? It's necessary for this worship service to both comfort us and convict us. In order to what? In order that our testimony of faith in Jesus, in order that our understanding of the gospel may be validated. Folks, there are enough false conversions going around. We got to be clear about who we are. We got to be clear about our testimony. There has to be a place in your life and mine when we can honestly say, I am a follower of Jesus, and you can put me through that interrogation table, and I'll come across as valid. That's the point. Hebrews 4.12 declares, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and of joints and marrows. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Bible says in Ephesians that the Word is the sword the Holy Spirit uses to get to transform the thoughts and intents of our hearts. That's what's happening every time we come together in worship, whether it's coming together to lift up our hands in praises and in singing or in listening to the sermon this morning. It's all part of our spiritual interrogation. So don't fret. The Word of God is powerful. It's sharp. Sharper even than a double-edged sword. You know what that double-edged sword is? Comfort and conviction. That's the double-edged sword of the Holy Spirit, and that is the Word of God. I'm not wasting your time this morning. You are here because God brought you here this morning. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm very convinced of that. So, loved ones, don't just come to hear the Word to be comforted and encouraged, also receive the conviction and the exposition of the world, the word, so that what's, whatever is in our hearts may be exposed. Did you know that God wants to expose your heart this morning? He does. Okay? Jesus is the light that exposes our hearts. If there's anything in that heart that is darkened, it can't worship. So you're in the right place. You're in a safe place because it is God that's doing the exposing. All right? Not this church. Not anybody in this church. It's the Word of God that exposes the heart so that the validity of our testimony will be prevalent in the sight of God and in, each, in, in, in our fellowship. God is not just interested in making us happy. He's interested in making us holy. And that's why comfort and conviction, they're both necessary. That's what it means to receive the word with gladness. Okay? In the parable of Matthew chapter 13, there's only one type of soil that God sees. And that's a soil that receives the word with gladness. Oh, Pastor, when you say that, I feel like you're about to beat me up. No, no, no. When, when you hear 
the proclamation of the word and it feels like it's beating you up, listen, it's not the preacher, it's not anybody else, it's the Spirit of God saying you got to repent of that. You got to walk away from that. That's a bad way to think about the thing that you're going on, going through right now. You know, when you're dealing with something in your heart, you know, go to the Word of God. Before you call your friends, before you call your psychiatrist, before you call your bartender, whoever it is that you call when you're in trouble, call on the name of the Lord. Look at His Word. The Holy Spirit gives power to the testimony that we belong to Christ. Now, we see this in action in the story that we're about to read in the book of Acts. It's in chapter 4, verses 1 to 20. I apologize. I have to read the entire passage because all the points in the sermon, they are ingrained in these 20 verses. So bear with me, okay? Bear with me this morning. Uh, Don't pay attention to those who are watching the football game right now. This is more important than that. You're going to score a touchdown in heaven for this one. Chapter 4, verse 1, the priests and the captains of the temple, temple guard, and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. And so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to interrogate them. By what power or what name did you do this? They were speaking of a miracle they just performed. You know, the silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. They just healed a paralyzed man in front of the temple. That was what they were being questioned about. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Verse 17, verse 12 rather. Salvation is found in no one else, but there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. 
Everybody living in Jerusalem knows that they have done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name of Jesus. Then they called them in again and commanded them to speak or teach, or commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. That is an astonishing miracle. Not the, the fact that they healed the blind, the, the, the cripple. That's not the miracle in this passage. You know what's astonishing about this passage? Just a few short days ago, they were scared hiding in an upper room. Jesus just just ascended, uh, just rose from the dead. He spent 40 days on earth. And in one of those days, he called his disciples and he said to them, "Go Go to Jerusalem and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And that came on the day of Pentecost. And we all know the rest of the story. The Holy Spirit came down and filled them. That was the difference. Before, they had been with Jesus for three and a half years, literally touching him, literally talking to him. Jesus died. He was crucified. They got scared. They hid. Jesus rose from the dead, appeared in front of them. And you would think, okay, enough is enough. There's enough evidence here, right? But no, In fact, many of them wanted to go back fishing. Can you figure that one out? If somebody died and showed up at my house alive, I would freak out. I may be scared, but I will believe. Give me a break. But no, they had to be told, go to Jerusalem and in in the day of Pentecost, you will receive the Holy Spirit. We all know the story, right? We've, we've, We've heard it. It's been preached before. But in between the time they went to the upper room to wait for the Holy Spirit, they still have their doubts. I couldn't figure these disciples out. Something had had to happen. The Holy Spirit came down, and at that very moment, they received power. Power to what? Power to declare the testimony that they had been with Jesus. That was the game changer. They were cowering in fear. They did not know what to do. And Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to do what? To direct his followers to his word in order to validate their testimony. The number one sign that the Holy Spirit is at work in our life is seen in the quality of our testimony about how we know him. Your testimony and mine proves that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. So, what does a Spirit-filled testimony look like? What does it look like? I got three points for you this morning, as I always do. I'm feeling generous today. I'm only giving you three. But if you don't say your amens, it's going to be six. We're going to double this thing. No, I'm kidding. All right? All right. So, what does a Spirit-filled testimony 
looks like. Number one, the work of the Spirit in our life clarifies our belief. That's the number one sign that our testimony is Spirit-filled. There's a clarifying of our belief. All right? Not only do we profess to be followers of Jesus, it is clear in our hearts and minds why we follow Jesus. Look at that verse again in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we today has to account for an outstanding miracle that we had performed, then know this, it is in the name of Jesus that this man has been healed. They wouldn't have been able to say that if they did not have a clear view, a clear understanding of who they think and know Jesus is. He says that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you. That, 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 that all of a sudden it was very clear to them who Jesus is. It was clear. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you have a clear grasp of who Jesus is? What he has done? His mission? Do you have a strong grasp of the gospel? Do you understand what salvation means? When somebody asks you, are you saved? Do you know what the answer is? This is an amazing turn of events considering Peter and all the disciples. Man, you know, they were hiding just a few days ago. But until the Holy Spirit came and empowered them, they did not know what to say. They did not know what to do. But here's a fascinating thing about that. Let's turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. I'm going to read this too. I'm going to read a lot of the Bible. You know, before they had the printing press, the Bible was read publicly. We have printing presses right now, but I like to read the Bible, okay, publicly. Because many of you don't bring your Bibles anymore. I still bring my Bible. It's beat up. You know, we had tacos last Sunday, and it's, it's, it's funny because I brought home some tacos, and I forgot my Bible here. It goes to show you the, the kind of priorities I have sometimes. The tacos were so good that I left my Bible here. But don't worry, I have 27 more Bibles in my office. Praise God. All right. Acts 2, 1 to 11. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire and that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. As the Holy Spirit enabled them. Now, they were, say, they were staying in Jerusalem. Now get this, okay? This is very important in this passage, verse 5. They were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. The UN was represented on this day, okay? When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our tongue, in our language? Parthians, Medes, 
Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Portus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. What is that about? I want you to catch this, loved ones, this morning. The Spirit, the, the Spirit filled the disciples and they spoke in tongues. That's important because the very first sign that the Spirit used to validate their faith has to do with words. The gospel had to be clarified, not just in them, but those who are there, represented by the different nations. Now, I want you to catch that because the very first evidence that our testimony is spirit-filled is we have a clarification of what we believe. It's clear to us. And those who are witnessing these things, they're saying, wait a minute, these are all Galileans. And yes, we can hear them speaking in our native language. And what's the point of that? The point is for the Holy Spirit to clarify the same message of Jesus to everyone. There's only one gospel. And you and I as Christians must know that gospel. And what is that gospel? There is no name in heaven, on earth, or under the earth by which man can be saved, but only in the name of Jesus. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com.